Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World podcast. The topic of this episode is the housing market in the United States right now is absolutely booming. Is it about to bust? We set a new record in our group this past week. There was a listing in Georgia and it had 180 showings. Can you imagine? Cars lined down the road basically all weekend just trying to get a glimpse of this listed property. And it wasn't even listed low. In fact, the property at 209 was listed high from what we had gathered because if it was all fixed up, which would have taken 60,000, it would have only appraised for about 270. It's economics 101. You have record low supply, inventory, the available houses for sale on the market that you could buy right now. We're at a record low there. And you add to that, we have strong demand. People want to buy houses right now. And when you bring those two together, economics 101, what do you get? rising prices. This is called a seller's market, but this is like a seller's market on steroids because of the record low supply. So how does that impact you? If you're a real estate investor, a creative investor like me that does house flips, you do wholesales, you get in and you get out quickly, this is the best time to have ever been in this business in American history. This is the good old days. Right now, it doesn't get any better than this. We're cashing in at levels I never imagined. This is incredible. Now, you do need to know what you're doing because with the record low supply, it's tough to find the deals. And you got to structure them right. You can still make a lot of mistakes and you can still fail miserably. But if you do it right, this is as good as it ever gets for a creative real estate investor. Okay, what if you're not an investor? What if you're, uh, you're just considering buying a home, you're renting right now? Well, I would say that you have very limited options on the market right now. You, if you can be patient, you can wait maybe six months, better yet a year, you're probably going to see some more options available on the market. Now, if something great comes up between now and then, you're going to have to compete against it. But you, you might be able to get it. Um, again, if I'm telling friends and family, if they don't find the perfect home, the perfect fit, to be patient because it's going to take some time before you get that, that uh, increased supply on the marketplace where you're able to make a better decision on home buying. What if you're looking to sell? Like I said, it's a seller's market. Let's say you're a, a rental property owner and you're looking to get out because you want to just retire. Now's the time to sell. Like right now. There is such little inventory. You can sell houses even that need a lot of work, and it is so easy to sell. So if you are considering selling, sell now. Very good time to do it. What if you're a rental investor? Is this a terrible time to buy? Well, I actually have a video on that called um, How to Buy Rental Property at the Top of the Market. And I'll say this. I'm not saying we're at the top of the market. I'm not saying that. But uh, that video describes the idea that with rental property, since your time horizon is very long into the future and because you're buying for the cash flow, that it really matters not what the market's doing, but that particular deal. Now, 
What the market's doing might make it almost impossible to cash flow so you won't buy. But that video clarifies that buying rental property is somewhat independent of the current market conditions in some respects because you're ultimately buying for cash flow anyways. And so what does it really matter what the market's doing? But if the market is, is, is crazy hot, then it's hard to get stuff that cash flows. Okay, so again in simple terms, record low supply, strong demand, we have rising prices, and because the low, the supply is so record low, we're getting crazy amounts of showings. We're getting multiple offers, and it is the greatest seller's market I've ever seen. So now that you know what's happening, and now you have some ideas based on who you are and where your goals are, what you should be doing in the short term, let's tackle the most complicated question of this subject matter. Are we in a bubble? And is this about to bust? Is this about to burst? Well, in order to answer that, we need to explain why these two things are happening, and then we'll get to that all-important question. So why is demand strong right now? Well, we have record low interest rates, and when interest rates are lower, it costs people less in interest to buy a home, and so they're more apt to buy one. Now, we've had interest rates in a very low region for a long time, but recently they're now at record lows below 3%. So that is definitely stimulating demand. But there are some factors that keep the demand a little bit at bay, so it's not completely out of control. The first would be, this is interesting, did you know, if you go back to 2005, statistically, people were likely to stay in their home, on average, five years. You fast forward to today, it's more than 10 years. People are staying put longer. And you might say, oh, well, that's because of the pandemic, Phil. Actually, this trend was going in this direction long before the pandemic. So people are staying in their homes longer. And this may also have something to do with the baby boomer generation. They got the homes that they wanted to live in, their forever home, and they're staying in there, right? So we have people staying put longer, but I will agree with you, if you had uh, mentioned the pandemic in your mind, that it has amplified things. People are staying put during this pandemic for the most part. Another thing of pressure that's keeping that demand at bay is low inventory. They, what are the, why are they going to sell their house? What, what else are they going to buy, right? So we have strong demand, but not out of control demand. And so when you look at a bubble, what you often see is a euphoria, something that is completely out of control on the side of demand. We're not seeing that right now. The people who are buying homes right now, are they, are they speculators that are buying these houses just hoping they'll magically go up in two or three years? No. These are homeowners. These are people who want to move in. Sure, we have some investors in the mix that are trying to buy fixer-uppers so they can fix them up and resell them. Sure, but we're not seeing the kind of speculation that we saw during that bubble of 2007-2008 when people were buying properties, their second, third, fourth, fifth home, just so that they could sit on it and then it would hopefully go up in value. Y'all have probably seen some of the documentaries or other videos and, and movies on the subject of that real estate bubble of the mid-2000s. This is very different from a demand perspective because demand is actually, in my opinion, I, I call it healthy. This is a healthy demand because it's driven primarily by people that want to become homeowners. And remember, 
Single-family homes have a utility value. They are shelter. They're a place for someone to live. And that's what's driving the majority of the purchases right now. People need a place to live, and they want to be homeowners. And remember, people are always getting married. People are always graduating from college. People are always growing up, and they want to become a homeowner. And so I do not see where on the demand side we have any sort of bubble that has erupted. But there is another side of this equation, record low supply. What is causing that? Well, we already talked about people staying put longer, and that's a trend that had started occurring well before the pandemic, but obviously it was amplified by it. Number two, we're in the midst of a foreclosure moratorium, which just got extended to June 30th. Who knows if it's going to extend even longer? And so we have a very low amount of foreclosures that are actually hitting the market. Now, foreclosures have always been a small subsect of the overall inventory in a marketplace, so it's not that big of a contributor either way, but it's certainly not helping the record low supply when you don't even get any foreclosures hitting the market, or very few, I should say. But these two do not explain the huge gap in where the problem with inventory really lies. Here's where it's coming from. Perhaps the main reason why we have record low supply right now is something I've talked about before in other videos. It's a lack of new builds. So I'm going to share with you the four L's of why we have such a problem with new building in America right now. The first is legislation. Over the course of time, governments enact more and more and more and more laws, more rules, more codes, more regulations. It has made home building more and more difficult. It's a lot harder to build a home now than it was in 2005 when that bubble was being created. It's a lot more difficult. There's more fees, there's more committees, it is so complicated. It's any wonder anything gets built in America anymore. And this is why I always tell potential home buyers, always buy existing. Don't buy land and decide you're going to build a new home. That is a disaster. It is so complicated. It takes so long. It's more expensive than you thought. Buy existing and remodel. That's what I tell homeowners all the time. Okay, number two, the second L is land. Now, some are arguing, well, Currently, Phil, we're in kind of a land bubble because all of these people from the inner city that wanted to move out to the country have been buying up land and pushing up prices. And what I would say to that is, first of all, very true, right? I mean, there's, it's a lot harder to find a 5 or 10 or 20 acre property with a little house on it. Um, and that's because of, uh, of the pandemic. However, I have seen where that is usually 20 acres or less, what we call in Florida ranchettes. A 20-acre ranchette or a 10-acre ranchette. Home builders typically focus on bigger parts of uh, parcels of land, and they're having trouble not only with finding something that's of decent price, uh, but moreover, because of the fact that the government moves so slow, making sure that it's got those utilities run to that land because it takes so long for construction to occur. And there's so many delays of funding and this, that, and the other. So they have a lack of land, buildable land, to do what they need to do. All right, number three, or L number three, is labor. You, you look around at anyone in age 30 or below, and our society has just systematically removed people from the building industry. They're attracted to tech. They're attracted to all kinds of sexier other industries besides the building industry. So we do have a lack of, of quality, intelligent, and, and highly skilled labor. So labor costs have gone way up. 
and people complain about uh, those from other countries coming in here to do our building. Well, someone's got to build our, 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 our buildings, right? And, and a lot of Americans don't want to do it anymore. Okay, so um, uh, the fourth L, this one uh, you may or may not even know about right now. The National Association of Home Builders just released a statistic this week that lumber prices have gone up 170% in 10 months. 170%! This is killing builders right now. Killing them. Some of them have, that are custom builders, they just told their clients, I'm not building, I can't. The contract we signed was when lumber prices were literally um, less than half of what they are now. In the last two months, I've seen where they've gone up almost 100%. It's crazy. Lumber costs. Just go go call up a lumber yard and ask them how much a 4x4 four four, uh, pressure-treated 8-footer costs. You'll see. You're like, what? I'm sorry, did you say $19? Yeah, it's nuts. So um, between these four, it's made it very difficult for builders to build. The houses they are building are at the higher price point, which as we've talked about in many other videos, the more affordable the property is, the more demand there is. And so builders are still building some homes, but they're at price points that are so high, and especially with lumber costs of what, what they've done recently, that ultimately... Uh, the majority of buyers are just priced out of these new builds. So we go back to lack of new builds. This is a huge problem, and it's going to continue to be this way. I don't see where all of a sudden legislators are going to get become a lot more efficient. Um, I don't see how land is going to somehow drastically drop in price. I, I don't know where a whole bunch of people are going to watch my video and say, hey, I want to become an electrician. I can't wait to become a framer. When can I get started as an electrician? And then uh, number four. Uh, we, we're hoping lumber prices will go down. I think they will. I think they'll normalize. But for the time being, this is kind of a bubble right here, <laughs> the cost of lumber. So this is the pressure that's keeping the, the, the supply or the inventory so low, which brings us to this big question. What could change? What could unravel this equation? And if it was unraveled, then if we all of a sudden had more supply, we had a drop in demand, would we either stop the rising prices? Would we actually have prices drop in value? Let's dive into that. Starting with demand, let's ask ourselves the question, what could change to drastically reduce demand in the, say, let's say the next six months to a year, which obviously would be necessary for us to see a bust. Well, the, the thing that I look at here of, of the reasons why demand is strong that could change would be interest rates. If interest rates increase dramatically, that would definitely slow down demand. Do you think interest rates are going to drastically increase? I'm not great at predicting the future, but over the past decade or so, interest rates have remained very low. And that's a bit surprising because once we came out of that recession, you would have thought interest rates would have increased, but they didn't. I think some of the interest rate pressure has to do with political reasons and the politicians always wanting to look good. So if you want my opinion, and again, you may be a bigger expert on, on, on what's going to happen with interest rates than I ever could be, I think that this is the new normal. I think interest rates are going to stay low for a very long time. I think our society's gotten used to it. I think our politicians have gotten used to it. And I think everybody's basically scratching their head going, why increase the interest rate? Just leave it low. Let's just keep things the way they are. So while it could go up a little bit, I don't think it's going to increase so much that it's going to drastically wipe out demand. 
Now, obviously, inventories could go up, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, but I think demand is going to stay relatively strong, consistent. And if it slows down, it slows down a little bit due to a, a slight increase in interest rates. But otherwise, I don't see this having any impact on a bust. So now the moment you've probably been waiting for, if demand would not trigger a bust, could supply? Could there be a massive increase in supply and a ton of new inventory hit the market and completely bust what's going on right now? Well, let's dissect how that could happen, and then you can decide whether or not you think it's going to happen. So the first would be, we talk about people staying put and how that's been amplified by the pandemic. If there was this definitive day, or to use a World War II analogy, a D-Day, an ending to the pandemic, this specific moment on the calendar, would that all of a sudden trigger a whole bunch of people to say, this is great, let's sell our house, buy an RV, and just RV the entire country? I don't see that happening. Unfortunately, this pandemic has been a lot more complicated than we ever wanted it to be. And it looks like it is gradual in nature. We have new strains coming. We're trying to get the vaccine out. We've got all kinds of challenges with the weather and delays. And so ultimately, there probably isn't going to be a D-Day. And it's going to be a gradual, slow improvement. And furthermore, I don't see where people are just going to throw caution to the wind. They're all going to sell their houses and buy RVs. So I don't think that's going to add to the supply. Could an increase of supply come from a whole lot of new builds? As you've already heard me talking about, I don't know that that's going to happen either, even if lumber prices get back down to where they should be. I think uh, builders have such a headwind, and it's such a slow process to build, but I don't see that happening either. Oh, but there's one more, isn't there? And I've been saving the best for last. Low foreclosures. What happens when they lift the foreclosure moratorium? When the moratorium is lifted, is that going to create a surge in new supply that's going to unravel this whole thing? Well, let's unpack this. First, we have to look at how many people are past due. And what we're being told is that 12% are in some form of delinquency on their home mortgage. By comparison, average is about 4.5%. So it's way more than double, almost triple. And does that mean that as soon as everybody is now no longer under the protection of a moratorium, that all of a sudden we're going to have a gajillion houses hit the market? Well, let's think about this for a moment. Everybody out there that is past due on their mortgage, everyone has equity. And this was not the case in 2009 and 2010. This, was a, this is a very different situation. People have equity. We also have to remember that lenders make a lot more money when they keep a loan in play versus having it paid off. I'm not going to have time to explain the economics on that. You're going to have to take my word for it. Lenders make more money by keeping the loan rolling. So, one thing that I think we're going to see in a major way, maybe an unprecedented way, I think we're going to see a lot of lenders willing to do a permanent loan modification where they take the past due amount and stick it on the back of the loan. 
And uh, these numbers are getting big, by the way. I mean, some people haven't made a payment since last February. So these pay, I mean, they, the past due amounts are really collecting 15, 20, 25,000 or more in past due. And that's so big that they can't do one of those loan modifications where if you're one or two payments past due, they say, okay, we're going to add an extra $500 to your payment for the next three months and catch you up. No, no, this is, this is a big number. They're so far past due, it's tough to catch back up. And that's where I think lenders, because of the level of equity and because they make more money, they're going to want to put it on the back of the loan. Now, we also have to look at who's behind on payments. Have you ever knocked on the doors of people in pre-foreclosure? And if you don't, don't take any ideas right now. It's not a good time to knock on doors because they were in a moratorium. But you go back to when I first got started and I was homeless living out of my truck. I knocked on plenty of pre-foreclosure doors. And one thing I learned was this. Almost no one wants to sell their home. Just because they're past due doesn't mean they want to sell. So I see that not only will the lenders be open to doing a permanent loan modification, but the homeowners are going to jump on it. I've also seen already uh, people that I know and friends of friends that have, re, um, that have refinanced, even with bad credit, into lower interest rate loan right now and, and paid off their past due amount. We're going to see some, a lot of refinancing as well. So I don't see that... From, from my experience in real estate, that just because 12% of people of, of, of home mortgages are past due, that 12% of them are going to sell. I, I just, that just doesn't happen. But there's even more to this subject. So yes, some of the people that are past due are not owner-occupants. They're landlords. They're collecting rent right now. They're not paying their mortgage, and they're collecting a, a, a large past due balance. Yes, it's hurting their credit, but they're doing it anyways. And so those would be somewhat open to selling, sure. So I can definitely see we're going to get some new supply on the market when the moratorium is lifted. But when? Recall that foreclosures take a long time to foreclose. Certain states like New York, it seems like forever. So we're going to still, just like the pandemic's not going to have a D-Day, even if the moratorium is lifted, it's still not a D-Day because it's going to be a slow process. But are some people going to sell? I think so. We have to remember, too, that if we go back to my example at the beginning of 180 showings, there is pent-up demand. There's a bunch of demand that hasn't bought yet because of low inventory. So as soon as some new supply, it might get gobbled right back up. And I want to give another example of how difficult it can be to predict these situations. When we were in about 2011, what was making massive headlines was this idea that there was a lot of shadow inventory, that banks had a lot of foreclosures in 2011 that they hadn't listed, that it was on their books, but they hadn't put it up for sale. And so we were hearing these phrases, double dip in the reduction of property values, that we're about to go down, it's about to be worse than ever, the world's going to end. And for the first time in history, no one saw it coming, a bunch of Wall Street hedge funds bought tens of thousands of houses. Tens of thousands. And all of a sudden, all that shadow inventory was gone. And we never had a double dip. And so some have looked at this and said, well, maybe some of these big hedge funds want to sell right now. It's the perfect time to sell. Well, that's what I was thinking. But you know what they're doing? Those major homeowners, the ones that own 50, 100,000 homes in America, they're holding on to those things because they're cash flowing so well. Their returns are so good. They don't want to sell them. 
much like a bank doesn't want to have their loan paid off. They want to keep the interest coming in. So interestingly enough, if we do have a surge in supply from either some of the homeowners that don't want to do a loan mod or the loan mods don't actually come to fruition or there's a bunch of landlords mixed in, we have the pent-up demand that's going to gobble some of it up. We may have some of these hedge funds gobble it up too because they're looking for houses right now. In fact, they're, they have builders building new subdivisions just for them. So when I look at this potential as, as derailing this whole thing, what I see happening is that ultimately this is going to bring new supply, which is going to mellow this craziness out. And so if you're looking to buy a home, you may want to wait about a year. Wait till we get some inventory from this foreclosure moratorium being lifted so that you've got something to look at, to work with. As a real estate investor, I get excited about this because I'm excited to get some new inventory. We can have some more deals to do, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not running for the hills. I'm also thinking that it's not going to be nearly as intense as people think it's going to be because I think a lot of loan mods are going to get rolled out. I've always thought that even from the very beginning. Well, I'm Phil Pustiovsky with FreedomMentor.com. I'm a real estate investor, but I'm also a coach and mentor. I love teaching people and turning them in to incredibly successful real estate investors. In fact, I wrote a book, How to Be a Real Estate Investor, that's been a bestseller every year. I give it away for free, so make sure you download a copy of that book if you haven't already. And uh, if you want to work directly with me and my team, if you want to become world-class, if you want to be incredibly successful, dominating your local area in real estate investing, Consider my apprentice program, where my team and I, we work with you and we, we turn you into the best of the best. And also, if you haven't already, check out that video on uh, buying rentals at the top of the market because it explains how you could buy rentals right now and still do incredibly well long term.